What up, world? Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, it's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Moment segment coming up later in this episode. In today's show, I want to talk about a little bit of reporting from Oregon Public Broadcasting about how the Blazers handled the investigation of Chauncey Phillips' rape allegation. And then I want to talk about a fake trade. That's right, a fake trade. We're going to move out of reality and into the hypothetical. Sean Woodley of Locked On Raptors is going to join me. And Sean has cooked up a trade that will save several franchises, including the Portland Trailblazers. But first, we got we to gotta deal with reality. Uh, the Blazers just can't get out of their own way. And uh, f- frankly, I see it as my duty to address it when they do such things. And thanks to some just really good journalism from Conrad Wilson and Tony Schick of Oregon Public Broadcasting, we have more clarity into how the Blazers went about um, conducting their investigation into Chauncey Billups' 1997 rape allegation. I want to be clear up front. None of this is about Billups' potential innocence or guilt or even the details of the allegation itself. All of what I'm about to say is about the team the organization, rather, chose to both conduct their supposed thorough vetting and then how they chose to represent that process to the public. This isn't about Billups. This is about how the organization did things and how the organization told the public it did things. That's who screwed up here. So you'll recall that Neil Olshay at the press conference introducing Chauncey Billups said, told the, told the assembled media that we did everything in our power to vet that incident. And then when asked for clarification later in that uh, same press conference by Bleacher Report, Sean Hyken, Olshay said, you're just going to have to take our word for it that we hire an experienced firm and ran an investigation that gave us the results we've already discussed. Olshay said that 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 investigation was proprietary. He didn't give any information. None. None. He just said, you'll have to trust us. And what OPB did is said, what if we don't trust you? What if we look into it further? They tried to trace this, what this investigation looked like. This is good journalism. So what OPB found out is that the Trailblazers did not co- contact Jane Doe's lawyer. The team did contact the police department, but the police department, that is the Waltham, Massachusetts Police Department, said it didn't release any records. Additionally, the Blazers' investigation also did not contact the current district attorney in Middlesex County where the alleged alleged rape took place, or Thomas Riley, the former district attorney who led the investigation in 1997 and then declined to press criminal charges. In fact, if the investigation had contacted Thomas Riley, they probably would have found Pretty much what the Trailblazers were looking for, right? Because Riley told OPB that Billups was, he believed Billups' case and that Billups was not was not guilty and there was no reason to press further, further charges or he declined to press criminal charges because there was nothing there and he trusted Billups. If the Blazers had, the Blazers investigation somehow didn't tr- even track down this person who was the district attorney at the time, who would have loudly supported their choice to hire Chauncey Billups. What on earth? The Blazers not contacting Jane Doe's lawyer is, is a problem. The Blazers 
contacting the only the police department, but not the DA who investigated the case is a problem. But moreover, the Blazers saying, we did a thorough investigation, you'll have to trust us, and then the investigation coming back and looking not particularly thorough does not exactly endear a bunch of trust in the future. The Blazers brought this upon themselves. Had they been more transparent to begin with, there's likely no need for journalists to do additional reporting. Or... If they had just done a thorough job like you would expect from a multi-billion dollar company that is hiring someone to do and said they did, like if you hire an outside firm and you say they're going to do a thorough job and then they don't do it, like maybe the right thing to do is hire another firm. If you just get the answer back you're looking for and keep it moving, you, you, you open the door for this level of scrutiny. If the Blazers had really done, quote, everything in their power, then the journalists at Oregon Public Broadcasting would have confirmed that there was indeed a thorough investigation. As it stands, it's very hard to give the Blazers organization any benefit of the doubt on this. It's just another misstep in an offseason filled with them. It seems like every week in this space, I'm condemning them for... Their latest strange or embarrassing or stupid public offering. This was the press conference that Neil gave was, was, it did not look good. It was, it was, it, it rung out in NBA circles that this was, this was a, just an F minus of a press conference. And then you, you, you come back and OPB finds out that even the sort of the thing that was the big crux of the press conference, this is proprietary. Our investigation was proprietary. We can't share their details. When someone looks into the details and the Blazers declined several times to to uh, to comment on, on OPB's findings, that the, that the details make the Blazers look like they didn't care about it. It's just a bad look. It's a bad look for the organization in a summer filled with a lot of bad looks for the organization with Neil Olshay as the face of all those darn bad looks. It's no good news. I don't want to start these shows condemning the Blazers every week. That is not my goal here. Uh, I want to talk about dumb basketball stuff. Uh, you know, weird hypothetical trades and free agency and all this, you know, the, the world of the NBA offseason. But the Blazers, the Blazers are screwing up in a way that demands our attention. And it would be, like I said at the top of the show, I would be not I would not be doing my duty as someone who hosts a daily podcast about this team if I didn't address this news. Uh, timing wise, I didn't do it yesterday. So if you feel like you already waited 24 hours, totally get it. Uh, it, it just wasn't. Uh, it's how it worked out. And, and I apologize if you feel like I took too long. But I want to make sure that I addressed it here because when big, powerful entities don't do things that engender trust, and in fact, they make you mistrust them in, in, in big, bold ways, it's important to highlight those things. The Blazers have not earned the benefit of the doubt, and they've earned this level of scrutiny. And then when a group of journalists looked into it and gave some scrutiny into what was a kind of a, a sloppy public press conference, it turns out they earned even more scrutiny for what they did, both how they publicly presented it and how they did things in private as well. It's all bad news. But let's get out of the bad news for now. And let's take it back. Join me on a time machine a mere 60 days ago when the Blazers were wrapping up a five-game winning streak with wins against Cleveland, the Los Angeles Lakers, the San Antonio Spurs, the Houston Rockets, and at the Utah Jazz. That's right. That first week of May is our Michelob Ultra moment. It seems like you gotta go back 60 days to find the joy and enjoyment and happiness of Trailblazers basketball. But that's what we're doing. 
right here, right now, the ultra moment is back to that, back to that win streak when things were hope more hopeful in Blazerland. It's a reminder that it's only worth it if you enjoy it. At only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories, there's more to enjoy with Michelob Ultra. The joy might seem a little bit fleeting now, but I promise when the balls are bouncing again and basketball is back, there'll be more joy to grab onto, more happiness to behold, more enjoyment to be had. Remember, joy creates success, and enjoyment isn't the end game, it's the whole game. All right. So we talked about the Blazers. We talked about the OPP report about how the Blazers mishandled their inquiry into the rape allegations against Chauncey Billups. But now let's move out of the real and into the realm of hypothetical. And joining me now is Sean Woodley, host of Locked on Raptors and trade machine savant. Sean, <laughs> I've seen it. You have fixed you fixed the sport. Uh, what I do did. you got for us? Yeah. Um, well, first of all, let me just say uh, the trade machine is hell. I hate it. Uh, <laughs> I hate that the Raptors being bad this year turned me into a trade machine freak. Uh, usually I I didn't bother because it's like, who do the Raptors need? They're very good. This is not necessary. They'll do the trades they need to do. But now you're toiling away. The team hasn't played a game in two months. And I'm sitting here uh, just like finding three team machinations of sign and trades to make the Raptors, the Sixers, and the Blazers very happy. So uh, I guess I'll dive in. Um, Please. I was, yeah, well, so I was, the the brainworm for this came actually yesterday. I was uh, at my in-law's house helping them gut their kitchen. And my father-in-law's uh, brother was over helping do it too. And we were talking and he mentioned Yusuf Nurkic as a guy the Raptors could maybe go and try to get. And I said, hmm. That's interesting. I hadn't really thought about Nurkic. The Raptors, of course, just had Aaron Baines play center for them all year. It was very bad, and <laughs> I'm very much in the, the market of looking for centers. The Raptors could go pick up. They could potentially go sign you know, a Jared Allen or uh, Rashawn Holmes or maybe even a John Collins if they want to get crazy and the Hawks don't want to match, which would be crazy on their own part. And I haven't really thought of trades all that much. Then Nurkic, he's got one year left. There was that weird stuff at the end of the year where he seemed not so happy with Portland. And I thought, hey, maybe there's something there. And then everything fell uh, apart because <laughs> when you go on the trade machine, there's that, oh, add third team option. And that just makes things so much more fun and uh, debauched to go through. And so... I ended up coming up with something with the Raptors, the Sixers and the Blazers. We've heard a lot of the rumors about Simmons and the Blazers and CJ McCollum. And, you know, maybe that being an easy swap there to uh, make the Blazers happy and sort of calm down the tension out there. The Sixers get rid of Simmons. They get a guy who can actually, you know, create a, sh a shot in the half court uh, in CJ McCollum who can shoot a three. It's pretty fun. And then Kyle Lowry is a big part of this, too, because he's a free agent and there aren't that many teams out there with cap space to potentially sign him. So a sign and trade feels like it's pretty uh, likely with him, too. And the Sixers have always been sort of the assumed destination. They were in the conversation at the deadline form and everything as well. So I put together a sign, a three team multiplayer sign and trade that really is not going to happen and is, is so complex and requires multiple players to want to go to the specific team to which I have assigned them. Um, but it basically looks like this the Raptors get Yusuf Nurkic and Derek Jones Jr. The Sixers get Kyle Lowry signed to like a 20 25 million dollar contract over two you know maybe like two years 50 something like that and CJ McCollum 
And then the Blazers get Ben Simmons, George Hill, and then Danny Green signed to like, I guess, like a $10 million a year deal, something in that range uh, to execute the sign and trade there. Of course, it requires Danny Green to want to go to Portland. That seems a little bit more tricky to convince uh, of than say like a Kyle Lowry wanted to go into Philly where he's from and has been rumored to be headed for a long time. Um, So it could all fall apart with Danny Green and maybe there's some other machinations, but that's the basic sort of bones of the trade is Nurkic and Jones in Toronto, uh, Lowry and McCollum with the Sixers and the Blazers get Hill, Green, and Simmons. And then I ran it by you and a Sixers pal and didn't get laughed out of the room. So I felt pretty good about it because usually my fake trades are a disaster. So uh, what do you think of this monstrosity I've concocted? Yeah, so I I think there are some hitches for sure. Um, And I think my bias maybe should be, I should put it on the table, is that Danny Green is a former national champion from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. And um, those are my people. (laughs) <laughs> those are my people. I'm always going to those. I am always going to root for Tar Heels. And, um, you know, I'm I, as a Tar Heel who's lived out here for 15 years or so. I'm sure Danny would love it here. I'm sure he would love it. But he seems to be um, he seems to be the hitch here. Right. Is he, he would have to commit to a sign and trade, um, which, you know, the Blazers probably aren't going to give him a long term money. Uh, the Blazers, even with this trade, they aren't like an elite, like surefire championship level team. In fact, I think mm-hmm. one of the funny things here is that the uh, Blazers will find themselves in Raptors land where they have four really good starters. And who do they play at center? Um, mm. And as you know, is that Collins still alive? I forgot about it. Like, is he still Zach Collins uh, recently rebroke his uh, ankle or, or, or suffered another setback, fractured his ankle. He's having his third surgery on that same ankle. His career mm-hmm. is, in, is in jeopardy. I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not saying it's done, but I'm just saying you. There's no way the Blazers can count on him being involved in sure. In, this year's plan. So um, while there are some pitfalls of saying, Hey, centers are relatively easy to find. I think you put yourselves in a good spot. You put yourselves for the Blazers, you know, Simmons is as about as talented a player as you're going to get for a CJ McCollum trade. You do lose use of and Derek Jones jr. But uh, Danny green is a winning basketball player. Dude helps you win. Mm-hmm. I know that people have been mean to him in the past, <laughs> on the internet but um the dude just goes on teams and they win tons of games like check the you know check the stats his team's winning uh so i, I like it i like the idea i don't think this is like a super home run but i think this is like within the realm except for the sign and trade stuff but i think it's like within the realm of what you could expect um the, the blazers mm-hmm. for a massive restructuring and i've been on the record saying that uh, there's no reason to run it back with the same core and say Chauncey Billups will be the difference in this team being a championship caliber team. There's there's just no one could, I mean, one sure. person could, his name's Neil Olshay, but no one could convince themselves <laughs> that that they have a championship level roster and that it just needed a different coach to get there. Um, you telling me yeah. Neil Olshay selling snake oil? What? Uh. <laughs> yeah, he's one of the, he's actually one of the premier snake oil salesmen in, of our time. Let's take a break from Trade Talk real quick. Come back in the third segment and close out the show with more thoughts on Sean Woodley's master trade. But before we get there, let's talk about Rock Auto. You can save time and money when you're using Rock Auto. Why choose spend why choose to spend 30, 50, or even a hundred percent more for the same parts at a chain store or car dealership? You don't have to do that. You can go to rockauto.com and support a family business that's been supporting do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Plus, at Rock Auto, prices are reliably low for every customer. Whether you are that do-it-yourselfer or whether you're a professional mechanic, you're going to get the same prices. 
and they got everything you need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. So go explore their easy-to-use website today and find a solution to your auto part needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck. And while you're there, make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box. That way they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. You name it, they got it. From the last couple games of the NBA playoffs, to the WNBA's regular season, to the Olympics coming up here in a bit, to soccer here and abroad, you name it, you'll find it on Bet Online. So head on over to that website, betonline.ag. Use the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Betonline.ag. The promo code is locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. Let's get back into my discussion with Sean Woodley about the perfect trade that Sean cooked up. So, like, I think I think this gets us close. I, I want to, like, uh, why do the Raptors say yes? Like, what is, the, yeah. other than the obvious, like, what, what's the appeal for the Raptors here? Yeah, I think it's useful to kind of do that exercise for every team just yeah, because, uh, you know, the, the these trades are always a nightmare and usually favor one team over the other. And I think... You know, if you're the Raptors, there's some risk involved here, right? Like Nurkic could come in. This is the Raptors one summer with cap space uh, right. for a very, very long time. They've got their core locked in and they risk losing Nurkic after one year and not really having the money or the means to replace him when they could. Like I said, you know, there's younger guys out there right now. You know, Jared Allen, potentially if Mobley goes to the Cavs at three, uh, there's Rashawn Holmes. Like there's some guys they could go and target with that money if Kyle Lowry doesn't come back. Um, so, but, but the reason I, th- I like Nurkic is a, I just think he fits what the Raptors want to do really well. Um, you know, I, I know he's kind of been on hard times the last couple of years injury wise, but it seems like whenever the Blazers have had those like belief, belief, brief, <laughs> uh, brief sort of flourishes of being respectable on defense. It's usually because Nurkic is providing really stout rim protection and backline uh, protection. And, and I just think Nurkic would be a really nice piece. You could throw him and you could do some sort of, you know, four or five pick and roll stuff with him and Kyle and Pascal Siakam. You could have him work some stuff from the elbows, maybe use some of the Marcus Saul packages you had with him. Yep. Um, obviously not the same passer as Marcus Saul, but similar idea. And, you know, he just seems to kind of fit and he's not Aaron Baines, which is great. And it kind of leaves the Raptors not having to have Kem Birch as their starting center, which I think is not the ideal scenario either. Derek Jones Jr. is a salary matching. You know, he's got a player option that would require him to opt in, which feels like he's probably going to opt into 9.7 million bucks. I think it's Um, enough money to assume that Derek Jones Jr. will say, you know what, not ideal, but I'll take it. Sure, sure. And then so, you know, Jones is just like forward depth for the Raptors. You know, he doesn't really shoot. That's not what the Raptors could use some more shooting, but he's just like another guy uh, who fills in the back part of the rotation. Skinny Stanley Um, Johnson. You got the skinnier Stanley Johnson. Congratulations. Exactly. You found him. him. Yeah, except I don't think Derek Jones is emboldened to dribble all the time, which Stanley Johnson, boy, (laughs) does he love to come into a game and dribble off his knee uh, six (laughs) times in a row or thereabouts. Um, So, yeah, I think, yes, there's the risk that Nurkic Walks, but also you get to look at him for one year at a pretty reasonable contract, and then maybe you bring him back if right. things go well, and you've got your center of the future for the next three or four years in house. And I think that's worth the risk of getting a look at a guy who's been extremely good and a really, really nice piece on some pretty good teams in the past. 
for the Sixers, I mean, that's the easy one. They get Lowry and CJ McCollum, guys who can create and handle the ball and, you know, shoot and do all the things that Ben Simmons refuses to do. Yeah, they're not the same defenders, but I feel like if any team can get by with lesser perimeter defense, it's probably the Sixers because of what they have at the back end. You know, Lowry's a good defender too, and they have Thibel and they've got, um, you know, maybe Maxi becomes a nice on-ball defender. You know, I think you can kind of fill in there, even if, you know, a Lowry, McCollum, Seth Curry lineup is probably not going to be a killer defensively. It's not uh you know it's not gonna totally sewer you because the offense is probably gonna be freaking spectacular right uh and then the blazer side of things you know this is the trickier one i think and you kind of alluded to it it's a little bit less easy to you know see exactly how this helps portland out and how it sort of helps them continue on with the dame era but i think like ben simmons is really good and i think yeah, i'm a ben simmons in my sort of yeah like, i mean i know i know a lot of people right are situation down. I know a lot of people are down on him. I talked to a friend this week who's, who's, you know, anyone but Ben Simmons, basically. And I was like, oh, sure. wow, um, I'm, that is not where I'm at. Uh, I think he's yeah. good. I think he's flawed and weird. And maybe like um, maybe he's, he's too stubborn to really like fully, quote unquote, fix. But like mm-hmm. um, where he's at right now is like he's one of the 25 best players in the NBA and he refuses to shoot. If you could coax him into shooting three times a game. He's like one of the 15 best players in the league. He's um, he's an elite talent with real issues, but I think those issues show up more in the postseason than they do in the regular season where he can be dominant. And I don't even think you necessarily need to say, okay, go shoot some threes, Ben Simmons. I think it's Ben Simmons, be our center. There, yeah. There's the answer to your center question. You get the right. 6'11 dude who's an all-world defender. You make him your center, and then you run pick and roll with him and Dame, And when is Ben Simmons at his best is when he has room to work with and he has space and he can get downhill. Can't really think of many better situations than, oh, they send two to the ball with Dame in a a Ben Simmons, Dame pick and roll. Dame slips it to Ben Simmons and he's working a four on three like that seems like optimized Ben Simmons to me. And if you sort of surround him, if you can bring back Norman Powell, you get Danny Green, um, you know, you you have George Hill coming off the bench. You've got Nass Little, maybe do this development. You got Robert Covington. Like you got a nice store of wings there. Yep. And just what they desperately needed. I'm, I'm with you. Exactly. Yeah. And so like a starting five, just in theory of like Dame with Norm, Danny Green, Robert Covington and Ben Simmons. Yeah, it's too small but you have space, you have an opportunity to maximize Simmons and the defense should be pretty good between Norm, who's fine-ish, and then, you know, Green, Covington, Simmons as a 3-4-5, you could do a lot worse than that defensively. So, yeah, you're giving up some things, but the Blazers, it feels like if any team needs to kind of shake things up and sort of test the bounds of what they've done in the past and sort of get creative, it's probably them. And Ben Simmons would allow them to do that. You know, maybe that you could entice them further if it were like a different package. Maybe um, there's no Danny Green, but you throw in, you know, a Seth Curry plus, uh, and I know you've mentioned in our DMs that Seth Curry was not exactly fond of his time in Portland, but I feel like Daryl Morey won't really care about sending guys. Yeah, and maybe with go. a different <laughs> roster, if it's not Damon CJ, he'll be more comfortable with being like, oh, sure. I can, there's actual shots to be had here. Cause I think that was yeah. mostly his beef was like, so what do I do? I just, I just run back and forth and those two dudes shoot. <laughs> yeah. And, and so if you could get like a shake Milton plus, 
uh, uh, Seth Curry or something like that to replace the Danny Green thing. Yeah, you're taking away some of the defense, but maybe you give a bit more offense and some balance. Like, I think there's something there. I I don't know. It's never going to be perfect, obviously, especially when a dumb idiot like me is using the trade machine. But (laughs) like, it, it feels like those three teams specifically kind of line up because of the Lowry thing in particular with him yeah, likely being Philly on his way out. Exactly. Yeah. And then to kind of go back to your, like, why does it work for the Raptors thing? I mean, it just kind of makes them good next year right away. Like I presume they draft Jalen Suggs fourth. You go into next season with a starting five of Van Vliet, Suggs, Ananobi, Siakam, Nurkic, like, that's bloody good. And yeah, then the, the bench yeah, becomes worst, that's the sixth best team in the East, right? Like if you're, if, yeah, you, exactly. if you have no With... other, if you have no other players, you have, that's the sixth best sure. team in the East. Yeah. And then you got Malachi Flynn moving into year two as the backup point guard, Gary Trent Jr. Of course, Portland's favorite son. Um, you've got Derek <laughs> Jones Jr., Chris Boucher, Ken Birch. Like suddenly it's a team where, oh my God, there's like 11 good players on this team. That's right. fantastic. And so maybe I'm guilty of like gearing the trade to help the team I like out, but it does feel like, it's something where everyone could look and say, Hey, we're pretty happy about this. The Blazers probably get the best player in the trade in Simmons. The Sixers get two guys they desperately need. And the Raptors kind of run it back with sort of like a new look, good team and do the thing where they just stay good and relevant until they can strike and make a big trade for a superstar. So yeah, I think my, it's my, a good trade. It's the only good trade ever in the tra- history of the trade machine. Yeah. You've, that's why, that's why you're on here. Cause we finally found the good trade and <laughs> trade machine. I will. I do worry that Simmons can't play. You're not getting 80 games of uh, Simmons at center. You just can't ask. Maybe that's fair. Yeah. Uh, you, yeah. You're going to need, you're going to need to add two centers for the regular season. And then when the sort of totally different style of basketball that is postseason basketball arrives, then you're like, Hey Ben, remember how we talked about this back in the fall? Well, guess yeah. what dog you're playing center now. So Side yeah, Aaron I, Baines. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> what's he, what's Alex Land up to? Uh, he was he's most recently he's being chilling, yeah. <laughs> surprisingly good for the Wizards. Yeah, yeah I mean, they, he's, he's around. Yeah, he's chilling. Yeah. Like he got out of he got out of. I was going to say Canada, but I don't want to rub it in. He they weren't ever in Canada. Sean, <laughs> do the Blazers have their pick this year? By the way, they don't have any picks. That's why another okay. reason why you're on this podcast is because I don't have any draft prep. There's no they don't have a first. <laughs> they don't have a second round pick. It's like I'm preparing to watch the draft and have the Blazers not do anything. In fact, Neil Olshay even alluded. He's like, maybe we'll buy into the second round. He didn't even flirt with a first round pick. Yeah. He didn't even like joke like they're going to do that. He's like, maybe we'll buy into the second round. You never know. Who did who did they trade that first round pick for? I'm sure it was someone who really helped things. Big Bob Covington. Okay, well, I mean he's pretty good. That's yeah, fair. Blazer um, fans are mad. It's not an Aaron Aflalo situation. Yeah, Blazer <laughs> fans are mad because they traded two firsts for Covington, uh, and one of those firsts ended up being Sadiq Bay, who's a good basketball player. Um, but I, I don't know. You don't. You're dealing with a 30 year old superstar. You don't want to sell him on a good 19 year old. You'd much rather have yeah. Robert Covington. It's there. Listen, it's tough time. It's in these. We're we're dealing with some franchises here in Toronto and uh, and Portland that are you know they're. Those are rocky waters. You kind of got to get these off seasons right, um, sure. Or, or you're stuck in mediocrity if you're if you're the Raptors, or you're stuck in um, I believe it's called hell if you're the Blazers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was gonna say though, like if they had a first round pick, you could talk yourself into maybe drafting a center with that pick, and right. then maybe that right. helps fill in those minutes. It, but obviously, that's not an option. Yeah, now, if so. the Blazers believe in the G League, I guess your bargain bin. Go... Dwight Howard, baby. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I think if the Blazers believe in the G League, they could just go find like a like I think you can find like competent tall people to soak up minutes. Uh, it's hard to find a starting qual- level center, you know, against the sure. Raptors of last season. But like center is the easiest position to kind of like mix and match in the league these days. So that's why another reason I'm OK with this trade, because finding like a, a guy who can just like be big and soak up 18 minutes is is a reasonable task for most front offices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, it's not like things have really worked for the Blazers to this point. Also, Cantor's still there, right? Like he is he's entering he... free agency, so they can bring him back if okay. they want. Um, but he's sure. Do you bring back a bad defensive center if you're gonna, you know, it, it, there's a lot of questions to to how all, all the things fit. And the Blazers built a decent regular season team that was too flawed to be good in the playoffs. And so now mm-hmm. they're trying to answer both questions: how can they maintain being good in the regular season, but also have the right parts to, to make a deep playoff run? Yeah. Well, I mean, now I'm just thinking like a canter with Simmons playing next to him. I mean, you know, obviously it's not ideal, probably, but there's some Simmons still does the thing where he can, you know, operate in space. Maybe he becomes the primary pick and roll guy. Canter just does post ups and stuff. I mean, they could fill in those minutes, I think. Plus, you have Rondé Hollis Jefferson, the greatest small ball center in the history of small ball centers, uh, at least from his Raptors days. (laughs) He was he played a little small ball center in the playoffs, too, for the Blazers. I like I like Rondé. I hope they bring him back. Yeah, he's fun. Yeah, he's a uh, he's he's a wonderful dude. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like I've exhausted all of my thoughts on this. Yeah, let's uh, let's get you trade. out of here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Sean, thanks for saving all the franchises. You're like I said, a trade machine savant. We uh, we couldn't have asked for someone better at it. Oh, I'm very uh, glad. Yeah, all, all fake trade ideas are bad except for mine. Uh, just keep that in mind. That's the exactly. rules. Uh, I don't make them. I just uh, am party to them. <laughs> <laughs> That's gonna do it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Coming later this week to end this week, I am going to grade your off-seasons. Last week, I gave you my A-plus off-season, and many of you sent me your version of the A-plus off-season. It's time to grade them. That's right. Welcome to the classroom. I'm going to grade your full off-season moves that you've sent me. And as we do Fridays, each and every Friday of the off-season, I'll share a Blazers moment of joy with you. If you want to send in a moment of joy, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com. Just send a reason why either the moment you fell in love with the Blazers or or how the Blazers bring you joy. If there is, if there is something about this team that makes you happy, we are in desperate need to remember why sports are important and why they're special and why we love this basketball team. So please share them with me, locked on blazerspod at gmail.com. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.